Welcome to A Well-Cared-For Human, the podcast that tries to convince you that you are 100% normal and an even better than okay example of the human species, despite the fact that sometimes we feel like the craziest, most incapable, or worthless creatures on the face of this planet. I'm Corey, an author, a creative, and the host of the show. Whatever you're bringing to the table today, I hope this episode proves to be a dose of inspiration for you on your quest to become a well-cared-for human. You can find the episode show notes, your free wellness blueprint, and more at awellcaredforhuman.com. And as always, thank you for listening. Hello humans, it's your host Corey, and today we're going to talk about one of the greatest and absolutely free tools you have for improving your mental health, which is nature. I first realized how important nature was to my mental health during my first Michigan winter. I moved to Michigan in the summer of 2007, and by February of 2008, I was suicidal. And I don't want to blame that on winter, but I'm just saying it was a pretty dramatic shift from how I was doing emotionally from summer to winter. And there were other factors in play, but it definitely seems important to say that SAD, S-A-D, Seasonal Affect Disorder, is no joke, and that I have since had to be very mindful about how the seasons and the weather and my exposure to nature affects my mood. And I'm not just talking about getting enough sunshine, which is absolutely very important. And we do have studies that show when the weather is sunny and we are out and getting that sunshine, we do tend to be more optimistic ourselves. I'm also talking about specifically the benefits of what we would call green and blue spaces. That's the subject of this episode, green and blue spaces. The definition of a blue space refers to natural environments that have bodies of water So it makes it a blue space if the area has some kind of water involved. And for me, I mostly get my blue space time by walking a mile and a half to the marsh that's near my house. I go there and I watch the swans and their babies. There are two swans that live on the marsh lake right now, and they've got three little babies. It's super cute. There's also a lot of geese, Canadian geese, that I tend to stay away from. (laughs) (laughs) I stay away from them because they freak me out. But there's also lots of ducks and hawks and all kinds of birds, actually, and they all hang out near the water. And so I find it very revitalizing and stress relieving to go out there and stare at the water and kind of enjoy my moment with nature. And the definition of a green space refers to natural environments that have some sort of vegetation. And of course, this can be parks or woods or forests or gardens. Anywhere that is rich in greenery and plant life. And I guess that intuitively I knew that nature could heal you or that it could at least stabilize your brain and help you to be less stressed ever since I was a child because as a kid, one of my favorite things to do was to go to this natural park. There was a place called Old Stone Fort. It's in Manchester, Tennessee, which is where I grew up with my mom. And it's such a huge park that you can get to it like in the neighborhood. So we would just sneak through someone's backyard, essentially, out into the woods, and then you could explore miles and miles of this really lush terrain. So it's really wooded, but it was also connected to the Duck River, I believe, is what the river is that goes through there. And so it had all these little creeks and waterfalls that were kind of breaking up the landscape as well. And so there were trails, but there were also not just trails, there were just like places where we had kind of wandered through. And you would see all kinds of stuff, like I would see snakes, and I would see birds, and I would see foxes and deer, all kinds of things. And I just loved being out there. 
And so no matter what was going on at home and how stressful things were with my mom, you know, I could go out there and I would just be so at peace. I would be so happy. I would feel so free and happy. And like a kid, you know, I was, that's probably one of the few places where I definitely had a childhood, right? Out there playing make-believe in the forest. <laughs> probably pretending I was like a fairy or an elven warrior or something like that. Or maybe like a swamp witch. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> but I was having a good time out there. And it just didn't occur to me as I got older just what that space was doing for me. But now we have a lot of research and studies that show that green and blue spaces like that. Because that would be considered both a green and a blue space, right? Because the park had not just a whole bunch of trees and lush vegetation. It also had the, the river and the creek beds. It didn't occur to me then that it was such a key reason why I was able to maintain some semblance of sanity growing up as a kid was because I was out there spending a lot of time in the woods when I wasn't dealing with my mother's mental health issues or her drug addiction or alcohol addiction, the volatile conditions at home. But now as an adult, I am rediscovering my deep appreciation for being out in these green spaces, these blue spaces. I'm pretty militant about my daily walks now. I try to go out every day. Even if it's winter in Michigan, I go out, I get myself some fresh air. No matter if it's cold or rainy, I'll take an umbrella with me. This has not stopped my wife, Kim, from coming to collect me. <laughs> she has come and fetched me a few times when she thinks that the weather is too bad and I do not need to be out there. So there might be a bit of a clash between what we think is favorable weather enough, what is good enough to go walk in. <laughs> but I do go out every day, even if I am fetched halfway through, a few of those walks being cut short by the wife. But when I go out, I try to walk anywhere from one to three miles, depending on how I feel or how much sunlight I've got left, because sometimes I forget to do my walk until it's pretty close to sundown. And then I don't want to get caught walking out in the dark because I don't see great. And so I don't, <laughs> I don't want to be like in the woods and it's pitch black dark because <laughs> we do have like foxes and coyotes and stuff, even though we live in the middle of the city. I don't want to come across a coyote in the dark woods. I mean, just my own personal preference there. So I'll do a walk based on how much sunlight I've got. And I've posted a lot of pictures from my walks in the woods and the cute little deer and all the little animals I see on my Instagram. So you can definitely go check that out if you want to see what I'm talking about. But it isn't just my walks that I use to get my green blue space exposure. I also like to lay in my backyard and touch grass, as they say. <laughs> And I am fortunate enough that I do have a little backyard. It's not big by any means, but it's a little fenced in yard. And I've got two big old trees sandwiched in there, a maple tree and a tulip poplar tree. And so I like to lay in their shade and watch all the birds zip around. I also try to bribe the birds, <laughs> the birds and the chipmunks to hang out with me by putting out two really nice bird baths and a bird feeder. I have my yard as very wildlife friendly, which is probably why so much wildlife ends up in my yard, whether it be deer and chipmunks and birds and skunks and raccoons and cats. I feel like everyone ends up back there. Rabbits. But even when I can't go outside and lay in the yard, I do also have the bird bath set up and the feeder set up right in alignment with my office window so that when I'm at my desk, I can watch them out there. Even if I can't be out there, maybe, you know, the weather's bad or it's too hot. I also like to do my meditations outside on the nice days. Listening meditation is a great one to do outside because you're essentially listening to your environment. And if you don't remember, listening meditation is when you sit for, you know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, however long you have for your meditation. When you sit in meditation and you 
are concentrating on different sounds in your environment. So maybe I'll be focusing on a bird that's singing or maybe I'll hear something else like the wind and I'll shift my focus to that. And so that's essentially what listening meditation is. And I love doing it in nature because I have all the birds in my yard or I have different nature sounds. And so I can shift my focus back and forth to maybe, you know, a wind chime or a dog bark or whatever. And it's very relaxing. It's very soothing. But my favorite is probably lying on my back in the grass and watching the clouds go by. I don't think that there's anything else that makes me feel as peaceful and as spacious in my mind as that. I don't know what it is, but if I can just lay on the ground and look at the sky, I just feel like none of my problems are as big as I think they are. They just feel very distant in those moments. And so I do try to go out there and it's just very peace-inducing. I love it so much. And so I would encourage everyone even if you only had five minutes a day, 15 minutes in your week to go outside and lay down on the grass and look at the sky, I really encourage you to do it. There's something really, really soothing about it, unless you are freaked out by bugs and stuff. (laughs) It isn't just me waxing poetic about how great nature is and how we should all be out in it. There are documented benefits in many, many studies, and I'll link them in the show notes of this episode so you guys can go read about them if you want to learn more. But there are many documented benefits of being exposed to green and blue spaces. And some of those are we've seen improved physical and mental well-being, which I've been talking about. We've seen enhanced mood and reduced mental distress, which I've also touched on. There's quite a bit of mitigation of the psychological impact of stressful events as well. There's the added benefit of physical activity and exercise, which we also know boosts our endorphins, boosts our well-being. There are often opportunities to interact with other people, like hanging out with your friends in a natural environment or just relaxing, you know, looking up at the sky, as I mentioned. It also can be a really great mental reset. So if I've been writing a lot or I've been doing a lot of computer work and I'm starting to feel really exhausted in my mind, if I unplug for a minute and just go outside and get some fresh air, be in nature, don't take my phone with me if I can just kind of soak up the earth vibes, <laughs> I guess we could call them, I do start to feel refreshed, like I feel like I've been reset and I don't feel quite as exhausted. And this is also good for me because sometimes I experience quite a bit of eye strain. And so this is another way to kind of reset my eyes as well. And I have definitely experienced alleviation of depressive symptoms, and the studies also show that it reduces our blood pressure being out in nature, and that connecting to nature leaves us with this expansive feeling of being connected to something much bigger than ourselves, which is why I would probably put this technique in the third pillar, in the spirit pillar, because I don't think that our living experiences. I don't think our spirits are separated from nature. I mean, we evolved in nature. We are part of nature. And so we live in a very artificial lifestyle now as humans who are very industry-based. And I think we forget that we need this aspect of our well-being in order to feel healthy, happy, and whole. And also when we're in nature, we're usually working at a different pace. And that in and of itself can be a great break that we need from this rushing through our lives that many of us feel. I mean, I surely I cannot be the only one who feels like I am rushed or I have so many things to do in a day and that the days just fly by. And so we usually don't feel that way when we're in nature. It slows down naturally and that can be really beneficial. And one of my favorite things to do if I need a really strong reset is go camping for a couple of days. So maybe I'll get a little bitty cabin or maybe I'll pitch a tent. Just going out into nature, completely unplugged. Don't take my tech with me. No cell phones, no laptops, no screens of any kind. And just be out 
in nature. And I find that so restorative. It's like a hard reset, which I feel like sometimes we all need. We just need a hard reset. And so when I get back for the next few days when I'm home, I still feel very chill. I feel very relaxed. And I'm like, God, I'm so glad I did that because it carries over into my life for at least a week. I mean, I don't know how long it lasts beyond that. I guess it depends on how stressful my life is (laughs) at that given time, but it gives me at least a week of extended peace and serenity. And the research also shows that when people are not able to experience blue and green spaces, that their mental health suffers. So a lack of exposure to nature has been shown to increase stress, increase anxiety, increase depressive feelings. The absence of green and blue natural settings also contributes to a higher risk of developing anxiety disorders and depression due to the absence of these restorative elements and the sensory stimulation that nature provides. And so ways that we could work to counterbalance that, the things that we might be feeling in its absence, is just some ideas. I mean, you do whatever you have available for you, but just some things that I thought of that maybe you can find more time to work into your life is visiting parks, nature reserves, or botanical gardens. You could take walks or hikes or bike rides through the woods or through natural areas. Spending time near bodies of water, if you've got a lake or you've got a river or an ocean, Or maybe you've got a marsh like me, whatever you can do to get out there and be by the water. Or even doing more urban activities like gardening or outdoor recreational activities that happen in green spaces. Anything that gets you out there and gets you spending time in a green space would definitely be helpful. But that being said, there might be real obstacles that are keeping you from spending time in nature. It might not simply just be that you don't have any ideas for how to get out there. You might have a really busy lifestyle. Modern lifestyles are usually really hectic. They're demanding. They have so many commitments. We just don't have a lot of time for leisure activities or spending time in nature, especially if you're in America. That is not prioritized in any way (laughs) whatsoever. In other cultures, some of these things, for example, I have a German friend, it is absolutely encouraged to go out and be in nature as much as you can. I don't know any corporation or work entity that is telling people, oh, go be out in nature and unplug. I I don't say that. It's more like be available at 11 p.m. to send an email. (laughs) So it's just a very different mindset. It's a bit cultural as well. So keeping that in mind. Urbanization has also not been working for us. Most of the people in the world, they live in cities, and those areas just don't have a lot of access to green spaces. It's all been replaced by concrete, right? So if you live in a city, if you live in a highly urbanized area, there might not be a park nearby. There might not be a green area or a blue space where you could go and decompress and have this nature experience. There's also our dependencies on technology and screen time. So we are all very used to using our phones now, our computers, our laptops, and it's increased our tendency to live sedentary lifestyles, to be on our phones all the time. So that reduces our desire to go outdoors, right? Like, why would I go outdoors when I can scroll on Instagram for an hour and look at all the nature things that other people are doing? (laughs) (laughs) You know, but nature on an iPhone, it doesn't count. It does not have the blue-green effect. So you have to actually get out there and do the nature things for real for yourself. It might also just be an accessibility or transportation issue. If it's really far away for you to get to a blue or a green space, that's going to be also an obstacle, right? It's really hard to get to maybe something if you don't have the transportation or the means to get out there. And then some people have safety concerns. So for example, they don't want to be in natural areas because they feel unsafe. Either they think they're going to encounter wildlife or rough terrains or 
maybe criminals. <laughs> so for example, I remember one time my friend was like, we should go hike the Appalachian Trail, you know, which is like this really long trail in Eastern America. And it's like hundreds of miles, I believe. And I thought, of course, we we're going to find like a serial killer in the woods. Like, why would I go out into the woods for days and days? That is a recipe for death. So even me, who is a nature enthusiast, there are some situations where I'm like, I don't know, I think I might die <laughs> if we do that. <laughs> or some people are they're worried about things like bears or mountain lions or even in my area, right? The coyotes, right? The coyotes aren't even seen all the time, but I'm always just like, there could be a coyote here at any time. I don't know. And also weather, like some of us, no no names, but some of us have terrible weather half the year. And so it doesn't feel very motivating to go out and be in extreme cold or wet, even though I know it's just as beneficial for me to walk to the marsh in December as it is for me to walk to the marsh in May. I just don't feel as inclined to do it, right? Because it's cold and it's unpleasant. And so that could also be a deterrent. There's also mental barriers. Sometimes we are experiencing health challenges, mental health challenges like anxiety or depression that make it really hard to motivate ourselves to do outdoor activities. When I was really depressed, I didn't want to go for a walk. Like I didn't want to take myself out for a walk, even though I knew I would feel better if I did it. It's just like the motivation was not there. So it can be really hard to like convince ourselves to do the things that will make us feel better, statistically make us feel better if we're just not experiencing the mental or emotional motivation at that time. And there might also be like a real cost or resource setback as well. So things like camping or hiking or visiting nature parks all over the country, that requires financial resources or sometimes it requires specialized gear. Like if you wanted to take up rock climbing or something, like these hobbies aren't necessarily cheap. So you might also be feeling discouraged if you have a lack of resources, financial resources to get out there and do the nature things that you want to do. So if any of this is you, if you're dealing with any of these obstacles, whether it be a mental block or you just don't have it in you to prioritize time for nature or you simply don't want to because you're dealing with depression or anxiety and it can be really hard to find that motivation to go out or it's a logistical issue, maybe it's a bit of a hassle for you to get to a blue or a green space, whatever the case, whatever it is you're dealing with, if you can't get outside to nature, I'm going to suggest the next best thing, which is to bring nature to you. Whatever you've got, a bedroom, an apartment, a house, wherever it is that you habitate, <laughs> wherever that is, bring as much blue and green features into that space as you can. So I read about this in a National Geographic article, and it helped me kind of think about what I wanted to say in this episode, actually. And what the article outlines is, quote, in a natural setting, it isn't just that the blue and green colors that are soothing, the shapes of objects can also be comforting. So for example, looking at natural fractals, complex patterns that repeat at varying sizes and scales in nature, such as ferns, flowers, mountains, and ocean waves, they induce more alpha wave activity in the brain, which is associated with a relaxed and wakeful state and internalized attention. So you can still get these kind of calming alpha wave feelings if you have natural fractals in your space. So more examples of natural fractals can be snowflakes, coastlines, mountain ranges, lightning, fern leaves, seashells, clouds, galaxies, coral, bark, crystals. Just fill your space with as many of these things as you can and also many plants if you can get some indoor plants and kind of green up your space as much as you can. And really, people who are into house plants, there's no such thing as too many house plants. So as many as you can stuff into your living space <laughs> as possible would probably be of benefit to you. 
And you can also maybe think about some kind of water feature, like sometimes they have these little babbling water fountains, you know? So if you had like a little fountain in your office, for example, that you could kind of listen to calmly run in the background while you're working, that might be really soothing for you as well. I just want to encourage you that whatever you've got to do, go out and get yourself some nature. Get yourself some green and blue space time because it's really important to your mental health to feel that connection to nature, to get those calming endorphins, to relax in that way. Your mind is going to feel calmer. You're going to feel more grounded from those racing, overwhelming thoughts. Your body is going to relax more. So please, please, please do what you can to give yourself more of that for your third pillar wellness, your connection to spirit wellness. Get out there and connect with nature, even if it's only like a little bit, like say you can only commit to 10 minutes a day laying on your back looking at the sky. Do that. That's fine. Five minutes, two minutes, whatever you've got to do, even small commitments will be helpful in the beginning and you can work to make maybe lifestyle changes to incorporate more over time. But start wherever you can. And again, if you're in a really highly urbanized area, think about how you're going to green your space and bring those fractals and that greenery into your space instead if you're not going to be able to get to it out in the world. Whatever you can do, please do it for yourself because you deserve to have that healthy connection to nature and all of the benefits that it can provide you and your mental well-being. And that's it for today, dear human. As always, I hope you found this episode useful. If you would like to write into the show and ask for my thoughts on something that you're dealing with, I would love to hear from you. You can always contact me through my social media or through my Patreon if you're a Patreon supporter. Or you can email me at corey at coreymshum.com. Regardless of the method, I would love to hear from you. Otherwise, I will be back next week with another episode of A Well-Cared-For Human. And until then, please take good care of you. This episode of A Well-Cared-For Human was written and produced by me, Corey Marie. The music was by Late Night Feeler and Esther Abrami. If you like what I'm doing here, please consider visiting my Patreon. For as little as a dollar a month, you get early ad-free access to the episodes, as well as a monthly patrons-only Q&A, bonus videos, and more. Not to mention that your Patreon support lets me know that you find value in the show and want it to continue. You can find me on Patreon by visiting www.patreon.com forward slash Marie. If you can't support the show financially, that is okay. You can still subscribe to the show, leave a review of the show, and recommend the show to your friends, not just the neurotic ones. All of this helps so much. And as always, thank you for listening.